Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson skulle jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Karlsson, Karlsson! Yes! Welcome everybody to another episode of Team Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest-running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who are currently in the presence of greatness. We'll explain what I mean in just a second. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky. With me, as usual, or actually a couple people, but as usual, is the fantasy hockey robot, the Poobah Prognostication, the IPP MVP, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. And welcome to the first edition of Keeping Carlson that is being recorded with the Stanley Cup finalists known, but even more importantly than knowing that Montreal and Tampa are fighting for the Stanley Cup. Uh, we've got, we, we also know who the two finalists are in the Keeping Carlson playoff pool who have drafted their way each round to the top. And we're down to only two standing from, what did we start with? 156 participants. Yep. Including us. Yeah. So we didn't, we didn't last long. These guys are really smart. (laughs) Yeah. Brian and I got bounced in round one. Now we're already in round four. So we're going to introduce our two participants in just a sec. Let me mention just first that we are presented by dopperhockey.com and proudly. So the number one fantasy hockey website in the, in the whole freaking world, we've got a lot of best in the world right here. We're the best podcast Dopper hockey, the best site. We've got the two best playoff pool performers. It's all happening, everybody. But yeah, Dopper hockey, you got articles every day, regardless of if you're in the off season or the regular season, love the tools at frozen tools, check it all out. Dopperhockey.com. All right. So if you listen to the last time we did this, in between my uh, beat writer interviews, we've been sprinkling in these uh, draft episodes. And last time we had the round three draft where there was eight people remaining. We split them into two divisions of four. One of them we drafted live and the winner was uh, Colton Steele, who is here now. Colton didn't have the most points. I'll get to who had the most points in the last round, but Colton did have the most points in his division on a tie break. It was super exciting. So Colton is back now to go for the championship. Welcome back, Colton. Thanks very much. Yeah, it was a photo finish. Uh, shout out to Jordan who uh, had with me, and then I ended up getting the tie break on uh, the. I think the first tie was points per game. Yeah, is what it ended up coming down to. So it was uh, the gym was super tight the whole way through, and I was in last place with two days left, um, last of four. And then you know there was so much flipping with all the different scoring runs that teams were going that I ended up sneaking my way into first spot to have the privilege to join you guys here today. Sweet. Yeah, well, it was nice talking to you last time. We've got you again. I see here you were riding some halves. You had Caulfield, Suzuki, Petrie. Uh, also, Petrangelo got you a ton of points. Matt Barzal led your team with 14 points. So, yeah, you drafted really well, and you eked your way into the finals with your, I believe it was 32 points, which sounds impressive until we go to the other participant in the draft, who the person who's going to have the first overall pick. And that is Nick Stefano, who had a whopping 38 points in his round three division, uh, wiping the floor with Ollie, who came second in 33, and then Jordan and Nathan. So yeah, welcome to the show, Nick. Awesome. Really great to be here. Thank you guys for uh, organizing and doing this. Yeah, we're super happy to have you here. And like, it's really exciting that you guys are in the finals. You're going to be competing for 
a jersey from coolhockey.com. So we'll, uh, you know, get that information from the winner after the fact. And second place, uh, it's like Jeff Probst says, got nothing for you. So it all comes down to this, uh, all of your success. I see Nick, you came second in uh, round one, then you won round two, you won round three, and then uh, here you are over in round four. So why don't we just get started? And then we can kind of talk about the players as we go. Like Brian said, we've got the Habs versus the Lightning. The way this pool is going to work is the same as the last episode, if you listen. So both of you are going to make 10 picks. Uh, that's going to be seven forwards, two defense, and one team goalie. And the scoring is points only for the skaters. And then for team goalies, basically a point for a win and an extra point for a shutout. If you have a Andre Vasilevsky, who has uh, been known to be shutting out some teams, we'll see if he can shut out the Habs at all in this finals. Uh, so Nick, I guess you've got the first pick overall. Maybe before you make your pick, can you maybe share a little bit of your strategy that's gotten you this far? Like the drafts have all been the same with these rosters. Like how have you generally been going? Have you been like having that team goalie at the start or at the end. I'm curious to hear how you got here. Uh, well, I, I treat the fantasy hockey playoff or the, not fantasy hockey, but the real hockey playoffs in this pool as just random. Like it's just yeah. more fun. Like just pick whoever. Um, whereas the regular season to me is that's business, right? Like it's uh, drop trade, all that kind of stuff, right? Upkeep. Uh, this to me was always, let me just get players from a variety of games. Because if a game is on, I'm like, oh, who's in that game that I have? Okay. And I kind of cheer for that. It gives me a rooting interest. Hmm. Um, and that's really what it was. And then as soon as the, the games became, there's less teams. Uh, in the last round, I was like, okay, you know what? Everyone's going Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. And me being a Habs fan, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go with Montreal players. And, you know, shoot the moon on that one. And, you know, lucky enough. And uh, that was pretty much it. So I treat the playoffs, the NHL playoffs, just for fun i don't really overthink it too much try to get a little variety uh and if my team's in it then i try to you know do that be that guy and draft guys that's on my favorite team too uh but yeah pretty much it Kind of makes it sound as if like if this has all been luck for you. <laughs> yeah, like, we've we've been sitting here building you guys up here are the finalists of the hardest playoff. Well, it's actually just luck, and I, I'm just here to have fun. Like, no, this favorites. is intense. This is intense. It's completely <laughs> skill based, um, and it's time to put your. This is the ultimate battle of wits. Just as Tampa Montreal are facing off for the absolute best team in the nhl you guys are rightfully facing off with the best fans i need to reframe this to get everyone reinvested in the drama of this episode but of course nick we appreciate your your honesty and humility yeah i mean we'll see as the draft goes i have a feeling that you still have some strategy going into it and we'll learn a bit about it with your first pick so who, who are you going to take first off the board uh i'm gonna go as you guys know already i think from our you know, Fran tracks, uh, fun times there. I'm going to go with Hedman. I'm going to go with Hedman. I'm just going to go with the, um, what do you call it? Just the scarcity. Just, I don't see any other defenseman that really pops in terms of potential for points, but I could be proven wrong. It's, it's the playoffs, right? So uh, I'm going to try to get this pick in. I mean, yeah, it definitely makes sense. Hedman <laughs> has 16 points right now uh, in the playoffs overall. The next highest is a teammate of his, Eric Cernak. Who had that on the board? They'd be the second highest defenseman, not, not like someone like Sergachev on Tampa. And then, yeah, the Habs, I guess Petrie's missed some time, so only four points. So, yeah, it's you both are going to have to pick two D-men. And I guess I've just thrown a couple names out that are probably <laughs> going to get picked later on, but I have a feeling it'll be a while. So, yeah, you went with the value over replacement strategy to nab Victor Hedman's having another amazing playoffs. 
We'll see if, I mean, I don't think it's as likely. One thing that really stood out about Vegas last round is how much of their scoring came from their defensemen. William Carlson led the team in points with five, and they were all assists. Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore tied for second on Vegas in points scored. And Petrangelo actually led them in goals scored with three goals uh, to go with his single assist. And then, of course, Nicholas Roy and uh, I guess the Chandler Stevenson replacement uh, with Riley Smith and Max Pacioretty all had three points. So, And then I'll be right back at D with Martinez and McNabb with two points. So um, somehow D were a huge – I mean, we know the way right, Vegas – Right, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why are we talking about Vegas? Like oh, what? Uh, <laughs> well, so Hedman was the first one picked. So I'm just trying to, to throw in an interesting tidbit okay. to connect it. And my question will be, will Victor Hedman – be you know carrying the offensive load the way that those guys were in Vegas, uh, but I, my answer is going to be no because we know Vegas, like their strategy, all playoffs has been bomb away from the point and maybe we can get a rebound or maybe it'll be a seeing eye puck. Obviously, it didn't get them all the way to the Stanley Cup final, so maybe they'll change it for next year. But uh, Tampa is you know looking for more high danger opportunities right off the top. So Hedman's still, of course, a very integral part of the offense with five points in seven games against the Islanders, tied for third in Tampa team scoring, and a really great choice. Really, the only defenseman that I feel confident can put up like legit numbers in this final. So uh, so good start, Nick. And that brings us to our next pick, Colton. Where are you going? So I, uh, I was... Kind of wishfully hoping that uh, Krav wouldn't get taken at number one because um, I have a hard time not taking him. I'm just an absolute animal. And I know there's maybe some injury concerns going on out, but um, I think even a not 100% Kucherov is probably still going to lead the finals in score. That would be my, I guess, not so bold take at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take him, although I do respect the headman pick like because like Brian said, there aren't any other defensemen that you can point to and say like, this is the guy's like the one D that you definitely want. So now that he's gone, um, no point in me reaching for another D at this point, And I might as well just go with the guy, the team and the playoffs and scoring. Yeah. I mean, so it was kind of scary. Kucherov took that hit and then missed pretty much all of game six and then played in game seven. Didn't have much of an impact on the score sheet. It was like a one, nothing game anyways, but yeah, hard to avoid him. Were you sniped Colton? If uh, Kucherov had been taken first, would you have gone headman second? Uh, I actually don't know what I would have done. I was just hoping that I could get Kucherov and I would have probably made a call on the fly. Uh, I also don't want to reveal my cards here this early enough. So I need to I need to make sure that uh, that I'm not giving anything away for pick two, All right, especially when there's only two of us drafting here today. <laughs> yeah, and Kucherov is a great way to go. Nine points in seven games, even though uh, playing with injury for at least a portion of those and still leads all skaters in the playoffs. Uh, so that's uh, it's been a really successful playoffs for Kucherov. Any lingering doubt that the injury uh, that knocked him out of the entire regular season was going to impact his postseason or his fantasy value next season being uh, very readily erased by the performance we're seeing from Kucherov, which brings us to your second pick, Nick. But Elon has something to say first. I just want to throw out about Kucherov. Brian, I don't know if you recall on the last uh, time we did this, I mentioned that I have a Kucherov Young Guns card. I was hoping he'll do well so that the value will go up. 
I uh, got a little scared when he got injured and I listed the card on Kijiji and I sold it for $250. So oh, you panicked. So, panicked. so if he wins the con Smythe, I'll be curious. Is, I mean, yeah. I, I, there's no way to predict, but I'm definitely gonna be watching eBay and seeing if I blew it and if I could have sold this card for more, but uh, I didn't also just like going to game center, I had to get eliminated. People would forget about him. So I feel like I sold, he's, I sold for a lot more than it was worth at the start of the playoffs. I'll tell you that. But, what did uh, you what did you pay to acquire the card? Oh, I got like a couple of years ago. I think like 170. Like I I made a sweet little profit on my Kucherov. Also, to be honest, I hope that the person who bought it wasn't listening. Like I didn't personally think it was in like the best condition, but like <laughs> I I shared pictures. Like I you know I you know anyway. So anyway, that's my Kucherov story. So I'm no longer invested in Kucherov in that way. I could just cheer for him as a a fan of uh, him in hockey as a great hockey player. All right, Nick, uh, you got the second pick. Are you going defense again, or are you going to switch to a forward this time? Uh, I think I'm going to go with, you know, every time that I had like the um, the Islander game and Tampa game on, I wasn't like re- really, really watching it. But like when it was on, like it was in the background, whatever. Every time there was a goal that Tampa Bay scored, it always seemed that point was in on it for some reason. Yeah. So I'm going to go with point on this one. Um, yeah, like I'm just going to go with just. Yeah, that's it. I have no other logic reason. <laughs> kind of going with uh, that thinking. I'm going to try to do it here. Or am I? The, well, the reason it seemed like Point was in on all these goals is because he was scoring them six goals in seven games, including like he had this amazing Elon. I'm sure you'll have the the exact number handy. This amazing run of consecutive games with goals scored, which was just incredible. Nine games. Uh, nine games. There it is. Nine playoff games with a goal scored in a row. Uh, yeah, Insane. it's incredible. Who can do that not in a row? In their, li- I'm not going to do that in my whole life. He's got so, 14 goals in 18 games for the whole playoffs. Yeah, so he, he's on a tear. And four of them were even strength, too. He's not just feasting on the power play. So Braden Point has just been so dangerous. Uh, of course, the six goals in the last round came on 15 shots. So maybe the goal scoring is going to slow down. But that's okay, because there's lots of ways for him to keep scoring, uh, even on his regular shooting percentage and get assists. Really, uh, believe it or not, he and Yanni Gord were the only Tampa players last round to score more than two times over seven games. Point had six, Gord had three, next highest had two. So really, really huge clutch performance all series long from Braden Point. Yeah, I mean, helps that he's got Kucherov just giving him sweet feeds the whole way through. I think it's like every single goal is just like point assisted by Kucherov and either point or like someone else if it's on the power play. Uh, uh, okay, so did I say since my point? I don't think he scored a goal since myself. I meant Palat. But anyway, uh, let's go now to uh, Colton, who is going to go with the uh, his second pick. Uh, are you happy to have the person you're about to pick still left on the board? Or were you hoping for point? I was hoping for point. I wasn't going to say that just in case it it had uh, it it had meaning one way or the other. But I would have taken point. But uh, I'm so happy to get Stamkos at four, which is what I'm going to do right now. Um, there we go. Yeah. Select. Um, yeah. So, I mean, nothing wrong getting off with Kucherov and Stamkos yeah. in, in the Stanley cup finals. Like there's only two teams left. And if you get two guys that good, I, I can't really gain. Um, so pretty happy with, with those two guys to get off. And we know Stamkos, you know, is as dangerous as anyone, including point and uh, maybe, maybe not quite as Kucherov, but still, uh, and Stamkos is right up there. And, but in fact, 
of the top, the Lightning have five of the top six scorers in the playoffs on their roster. Uh, they're not all gone, though. Four of them have been drafted, so we'll see when the fifth goes. Uh, but yeah, Kucherov way out there with 27. And then you have Point and Kalorn 20 and 17. And Stamkos also with 17. And then Hedman with 16. So um, yeah, I think Stamkos at any given moment could outpoint Point. Uh, like, I see them as pretty equal. Elon, how about you? I think I would have gone point if I had the option, but like, yeah. yeah, it's not as if it's a huge disparity. Like, oh man, what a teardrop. There might be a teardrop now going to the next book. I think this was a pretty obvious top four picks of the draft. I would have been really surprised if the top four weren't some combination of Hedman, Kucherov, Point, and Stammer. So now it'll be fun to see if Nick is going to go to like the Habs yet, or is he going to stick with Tampa, who's been dominating this draft? Both, I, I guess neither of you have much faith that Carey Price can keep this up. I thought you're a. Uh, Thought you're a Habs fan there, Nick, but you're taking all these players to score points against Carey Price. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> I, I, don't you hate when that happens, though? You have your team and then and then your fantasy players against. But um, yeah, I think I'm gonna I am gonna deviate on this one, and I'm gonna go if there's any player or line on the Canadians that's gonna get something is gonna be that that one that certain line that I think you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna go with Suzuki uh, for this pick right in here. It was pretty cool how uh, it was the face-off of Suzuki versus Pacioretty of that trade from a couple of years ago. And Suzuki definitely like stood up to the task in this last round, uh, like only 21 years old. And he had that goal and two assist game versus, you know, Vegas in game five. Like he put up, what is this here? Like five points in the five in the points games. in six games. Yeah. Goal and four assists, the inverse of Cole Caulfield, and of course, he saw some great things. And Suzuki, to his credit, uh, he had 17 shots on net. He put three shots on goal a night while facing a team as good at shutting down other teams' top scoring lines as the Vegas Golden Knights are, uh, and playing 19 minutes a night, too. So leading Montreal forwards in ice time. So he did it all. He was responsible both ways. He overcame being keyed on, and he found ways to make things happen. It really impressive. He's been doing it all playoffs, right? 13 points in 17 games. So Nick Suzuki's star continues to rise. Elon, you asked me, uh, on the, uh, we talked about it on the patron cast. Uh, we had a question, how much higher are Montreal Canadiens players' stocks going to go f- because of their performances in these playoffs in our fantasy drafts come September? And uh, like, I was like, hey, you know, I don't think too much, but of course we'll see a little bump. And I'm like, ah, you know, I could see Suzuki going pretty early because I I think now he's in that territory where people especially might think, you know, it depends on who you're playing with. But I think some people will think they're still just just getting out ahead of Nick Suzuki becoming a star and he'll do it on their roster. And that's always really attractive to a fantasy manager at a draft. Yeah, well, I guess if you're a Suzuki manager, you're hoping that these lines stick, right? Because like Nick said, he's been on like a top scoring line with the three clearly like top offensive players. And that's obviously helping him a lot. Another random thing about Nick Suzuki, I'm just realizing over his first couple of seasons, he's basically been around one hit per game. Uh, And then in these playoffs, 
I'm looking at the game log. If you had a seven hit game, then a couple to a six hit game versus Vegas. So I don't know if this was just the series against Vegas. Maybe like Nick as a Habs fan could comment. But if Suzuki is all of a sudden going to be like a three hits per game player, like he's been averaging in these playoffs, plus he takes face offs, you know, plus he's getting all these points. All of a sudden we're looking at like a multi-cat stud. Nick, like Brian Bench now he's taking more shots than usual. So maybe the, yeah, that's another reason why the fantasy stock has got to go up. I, I hope so as a fan. I mean, it's nice, but uh you know, I think it's probably a product too of the playoffs being really more physical right. and, you know, getting the, those minutes where he's that, that target, you know, by the other team. But, you know, it's that's good. That's good for fantasy for sure. All right. So, Colton, you've got Kucherov and Stamkos. Can't argue with your first two picks. Uh, I, you're going to have to take a drop now, but maybe not too far. Where are you thinking? Um, I'm actually going to stick with the Bay and I'm going to take Alex Kalorn. Um, yeah, I just, you know, he's, he's the next highest scorer on the light. And, um, although I do think Montreal will put up a better fight than a lot of are giving them credit for in the finals, I, I do have Tampa and therefore they're going to score more goals than Montreal, uh, or in theory they should. Um, so I'm, I'm going to just take the next guy on the list that I think is going to get in on those and complete the Tampa Bay trifecta to start things off here. Why wouldn't you? It, it, like, it's obviously uh, Alex Kalorn is not the sexiest name, but he has been in these playoffs. He's been so good. And really, uh, as soon as Kutrov came back and Palat was bumped off that top unit, Kalorn, it feels like, has been collecting at an even greater pace than he was at the regular season because that power play is even more dangerous than before. And Alex Kalorn is just crushing it. 17 points in 18 games through these playoffs, as we mentioned, he's ranked third in the entire NHL, uh, higher than anybody not on Tampa, too, uh, in playoff scoring this postseason. Eight goals, nine assists, um, eight power play points out of those 17 points scored. So, yeah, Kalorin making good use of that power play opportunity that he still has, and he's shown himself to deserve it, right? We've always been like, ah, oh, I wonder if someone could bump Kalorin from that role. And he's really making the case that, no, he's going to hold on to it now and for next year, too. I guess it's like kind of thing, Brian, when I'm looking at the game log here, I'm seeing Killorn had five points in seven games in the last round, which is good. Three of the points, though, came in one game in game five, which makes me a little scared that he could go on a cold streak. But at the same time, I guess he's, it's good because he's someone that's also capable of having a multi-point game. So maybe it's just like not worth it reading into the game log so deeply. Uh, I guess, yeah, like you said, he's playing with Stamkos at even strength. He's on the top power play. So great deployment he's a guy who i'll be very interested to see if his draft stock rises next year after a strong playoffs because he's been like a pretty boring guy in the regular season for a while now he had that one really good year actually just a couple seasons ago where he had 49 points in 68 games but that was definitely due to good deployment as soon as it disappeared so did his production uh this past year he paced around a 50 point pace uh but these playoffs obviously he's taken it up another notch and again it seems like it's because of deployment but i guess you can't argue with the results doesn't matter what the reason is all right, so Killorn is off the board. We're over already. This is going to be a pretty fast draft here. We're already on to round four. Nick, are you happy to have someone left on the board at this point, or were you hoping to get Alex Killorn? Uh, I did like the Killorn. Um, that that was, I mean, he is the right role, everything he's playing while well, he's underrated. I mean, he's not like the flashy person, right? But that's a, it's a good choice there. So... Uh, the next person that I was going to go was probably someone that is flashy on the Canadians, and it's Cole Caulfield. Um, I just found him in the in the Winnipeg series. The guy was he didn't score once, 
Uh, he had like, it seemed like three or four or five shots a game. And I'm like, how ma- what would it take for him to get to like a 3% shooting percentage, right? If he's shooting five a game and not scoring. So I knew I, I would hope, and it did happen in the other round where that started to happen against Vegas. So yeah, that's... good things happen for Cole Caulfield, the leading goal scorer in Montreal. I mean, we talked about Tampa having only uh, two players who had three or more goals. Montreal only had one player who had who scored more than twice in six games. And that was Cole Caulfield with his four goals on 17 shots. And again, this this Vegas defense and goaltending is not easy to crack. Uh, two of his uh, two of his four goals came on the power play, so that shows that he is being put in a meaningful like trigger man role on that top unit, which is great news for anybody looking to have him on their rosters next season. He's still not getting like the difference between him and Nick Suzuki is Nick Suzuki is on the ice all the time. And Cole Caulfield is getting that classic middle six Montreal deployment. So he's not on the ice a whole lot, but he's still making amazing use of it. The fact that he has 17 shots in four games while averaging 14 and a half minutes a night means that if we were to calculate his shot rates per 60 minutes, They'd be really, really impressive. So this all bodes really well for Caulfield for next season as he continues rising up draft lists. Although we did have um, uh, someone in our live chat on YouTube, Fancy Tidbits, was mentioning when we were talking about Suzuki, Elon, that's hard to imagine t- to get too excited about any Montreal player because of, of that time on ice distribution and split power play that we've seen from them where no one really gets the chance to be a superstar. So how much does that temper your excitement and expectations around Cole Caulfield? I mean, but it's a chicken and an egg, right? Like maybe they've been splitting the distribution because they haven't had any like really like amazing offensive lines. Yeah. So they just explain all of a sudden now, if you've got a Caulfield Suzuki Toffoli line, that's, you know, doing amazing you could put them out quite often and get a lot of goals and you put out the Gallagher line with Deneau if he's still around you know to shut down like it seems like what they're doing in the playoffs seems to be a good setup but obviously we know that the Habs aren't going to be this awesome like next season all season long right like at some point they're probably gonna hit a rough patch like they did this past year and then we see if things get shaken up and all of a sudden like Brian if you had to pick right now like a projection for Cole Caulfield for next year what would you be putting him as? Yeah, I think I would have him in the 55 to 60 point range without doing a ton of homework on it, which I think is still a compliment. It'll be his first NH full NHL oh, season. I think that's like, yeah, that's taking a bit of a swing, right? Because there's always the chance that like whatever reason he gets like bumped down the lineup. Like there's no guarantee. Like obviously yeah. he, he seems like such a sure bet right now to stick with Suzuki because they're doing so well in the playoffs, but it's a long, you know, 82 game season, a lot could happen. Yeah. I will. I, I also want to draw an analogy that for some reason only came to me uh, just recently because we've had this conversation about Dallas last year. Remember they're scoring all these goals in the playoffs. Maybe they can play offensively. Maybe we should value the offense that the offensive upside that might exist for their roster and yeah, so they did have a couple really great offensive performances, namely from Pavelski and Hintz. But on the whole, I don't feel like they really changed their identity as suddenly being a high scoring team. Although Jason Robertson made a like a, a huge like was a huge change, right? He wasn't a part of that cup run. And then he came in and helped make the team more offensive. I'm wondering, Elon, do you see any lessons to be learned there in trying to transfer Dallas's high scoring playoff performance with what they did this season and what we can do. I mean, Montreal hasn't quite been 
as high scoring, but we can still look at who's scoring highly and wonder how much it'll transfer to the next season. I don't know. Like it's, it's tough, right? Like Dallas had like Jamie Ben and Radulov is like older guys getting points. Now we've got like Suzuki and Caulfield. It's like a whole different story. Like these two young guns, uh, no pun intended with the hockey cards, but by the way, you mentioned Jason Robertson. I pulled a Robertson young guns recently, but okay. We got to get back (laughs) to the draft here. So, okay. Cole's an interesting situation. I think right now, if I can speak a bit uh, strategically, let me just pause the draft because we're making him wait a long time, but uh, okay. Cole. So you've got all Tampa, right? And at this point, Nick has a couple halves, couple high scoring halves in Caulfield and Suzuki. So I feel like, are you at a point now where, okay, how about you make your pick and then we'll discuss it actually. I'm I'm just interested in the whole strategy at this point. I think it's like a really interesting spot for Colton to be in, in this kind of draft. Yeah, it is interesting. Every round is an interesting spot to be in because I've never drafted against one person before. Um, But I actually, I'm going to take a Montreal Canadian was going to take Caulfield because um, I said the same thing last round before I drafted him. I said, if if Montreal is going to find a way to score some goals and, and win against us, it was going to be because those young guys would step up and, and score some goals for them. Uh, he did, as Nick mentioned, before taking him. Um, but I'm just going to take Toffoli, the other missing link on that line that, that has been doing so well. And then hopefully, as Caulfield scores, I'll be able to cash in some points if, if Toffoli is sitting on them. Yeah, to fully tied with Paul Byron as the third leading scorer for Montreal last round with four points in six games. But that's actually a credit to Paul Byron and not an insult to Tyler Toffoli. Like you said, keeping up with his line mates, Caulfield and Suzuki. And how could you, at this point in the draft, I wouldn't see any other direction um, for you to go. Toffoli's had a great playoffs. Uh, is you know, really made his case for being this offensive player. 14 points in 17 games. This is who we always thought that he could be until we gave up on it because he was never sort of given uh, that role to play in L.A. No one is, aside from Anze Kopitar, to just go off and score and play offensively. So we saw it in Vancouver, we saw it in Montreal, and I expect to keep seeing what we're seeing from Tyler Toffoli, showing that he is a legit top-line offensive player in the NHL. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting in drafts next year. I wish because like if if this line sticks together, it's golden. But it's hard, so hard to imagine that they keep a line like this together the whole time. Then someone falls. Who would it be? But anyways, right now we're focused on the next round of the playoffs. And yeah, I think you had to take Toffoli here. I was like trying to think like in terms of it must be a strategic move because you kind of have to take Toffoli. I was going to say like to almost play defense, right? Because you don't want to be in a situation where if the Habs ever score, you're not getting in on it. And you just have to like bank on Tampa, like shutting out the Habs all the time. But at the same time, Brian said that there's not really anyone on the board that you could have taken over Toffoli that wouldn't have been met with you know, a bit of shock and surprise because Toffoli was far and away the most appealing name of all, you know, just looking at the total points of everyone so far, but okay. So now I think we're having another drop in tier of quality of player now going into the fifth round. So uh, Nick, are you going to keep your run of Habs players going or is it time to switch over to Tampa again? I got to say, this is so unusual to do just a draft with one other against one other person. Yeah. It's really, it's crazy. It's very, like, there is a predictable group. And then after that, it's just, you have no clue. Um, It definitely does seem like we're at a point right now where it gets a lot harder. Like, I think all these picks before were like, probably we would have been able to predict that those would be the first, like, eight picks (laughs) in some order. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the Canadians again. And I'm going to go with Corey Perry. Right. So, I just can't believe it. Like, how's this yeah. happening? 
<laughs> three points in six games. So he he went goalless finally for six games um, in the series against Vegas. But again, Montreal barely scored any goals. So I think he can be forgiven. He's still playing a meaningful role. I, I don't know. I feel like we said everything we, we have to say about Corey Perry continuing to stay relevant and playing an actual role. Like, I don't know if Montreal is where they are without Corey Perry in their lineup, which is a wild thing to say about 36-year-old Corey Perry, who was on waivers earlier this season and is just basically on a bargain bin contract to be a role player. But he is stepping up and then some to get the Habs this far. Um, So... Yeah, I, it, it's funny because last round we were, remember during the draft, Elon, we, every time um, a Hab before Brendan Gallagher was picked, we were just like, oh, I can't believe another one. But Corey Perry had three points in six games and Gallagher had one point in six games. So I, I, at this point, I am on board. Corey Perry greater than Brendan Gallagher for point scoring in the cup final. I guess, yeah. I mean, I would think Gallagher's a better player. I don't know how it's happening, but I guess this Perry and Eric Stahl line and the Yoel Armia, somehow they're making it happen. So I guess, yeah, you might as well just go with the trends. And he's uh, playing like fourth line minutes too. But he's on the top power play. Like yeah. he's, it's Toffoli, Suzuki, Caulfield. He gets to, then Corey Perry gets to play with these three awesome players. And then I guess Eric Gustafsson's been playing defensive time on the top power play, which was, I guess, a nice signing for the Habs or like someone I guess they traded for at the deadline. So yeah, uh, you know, Perry, I, he had a cool quote, right? Saying like he's trying to give advice to like the Suzuki's and Caulfield's of the world to like enjoy the experience now because, you know, you know, they're starting their careers and then it's like, oh, you don't know if this will ever happen again. Maybe they think, oh, this is the kind of thing that happens all the time. Corey Perry, just like Eric Stahl, had a good cup run like very early in his career with Anaheim, just like Eric Stahl had that cup run early in his career with Carolina. Then it's been like oh, just a long time waiting then Perry actually got lucky and he got to go on a run just last year with Dallas and so it'll be pretty wild to see if he finally wins his second cup after all this time and yeah like you said playing a somewhat meaningful role with the team getting picked you know in the first half of this draft which I don't think we would have expected well I guess we wouldn't have been expecting to pick any halves uh, at this point uh, going into the playoffs but uh, okay so now we go to Colton well yeah a lot of names on the board here I really have no idea where you're gonna go uh, okay, so time for, for me to take my first defenseman, and I want to make sure I get this guy because he was a huge part of the last round. I took a bit of flack for taking him while he was injured before game one, um, but Jeff Petrie is going to be my next selection. And uh, he's a guy who just, he's counted on in all situations for Montreal. He kind of ice time, plays power play minutes, and um, he, he finally snapped out of his his slow skid where he I think he only had like one point the first couple rounds or something but last round he he heated up and got four points so I'm hoping he can continue doing that for me here when uh, you say he got four points last round I think he only got two but okay. it was like well, <laughs> They they were, like he, big points. It was yeah, like they were, the, the types of points, points that are like significant. They were double. <laughs> notice, notice, they, they seemed like four okay, because well. of how hefty <laughs> they were. But he, he did have four shots. And to be honest, when Nick said, 
uh, like I'm going to pick uh, from Montreal. I definitely thought Jeff Petrie was coming out. And I know, Nick, I already, I know you already have headman and I totally grant you your strategy. That, that's just where I thought the next had player was going to go. I, I see nothing wrong. Like Jeff Petrie sure seems, even though he was outscored by Joel Edmondson last round, I don't see uh, a better D pick left on the board after Victor Hedman. So yeah, I am, uh, I'm into it. Why not? Yeah, it's pretty wild. Just the year Petrie has had, like, let's remember he had 42 points in 55 games this season. So he already had this huge breakout. That's a 63 point pace. I don't know if we mentioned this last time. Like, that's insane, right? We've already been impressed that he's become like a 45 point player for the previous couple of years. Then he explodes this year. And then, so yeah, he's had a quiet playoffs. It's probably hurting. I'm sure after the playoffs are over, they're going to be like, Petrie's been playing with a broken whatever. Just like, what was the thing we just heard? From Alec the last Martinez time? had a broken foot. That's crazy. Don't you think it's wild? Because Alec Martinez is like a free agent. I guess obviously yeah. it goes to show the heart of the player that he's going to help his team win. And that's going to probably help him. Like, I don't know. Does it help or hurt him? Right. In, he's in UFA. He's yeah. trying to get a contract. Our team's <laughs> going to be like, I don't know if I want this guy with a broken foot. Or are they going to be like, that's probably going to heal and look at the heart on this player. Yeah, it's a really good question. And I feel like it's going to be a wash, like whatever value he might have lost because, oh, he played on. I think honestly, with some front offices, they're going to be like, okay, no, he played on a broken foot and I'm not sure how well it's going to heal. He said he was being wheeled around by the (laughs) medical staff when he, but he was still skating full games and scoring goals. It's crazy. So yeah, I think there's some front offices around the league that will appropriately weigh how much that might impact his play next year or his risk of a full recovery. And there are other teams who are going to be like, that's the heart of a lion. He's a proven winner. Remember he scored the cup winning goal for LA back in the early 2010s. Uh, He's, he's always been around successful teams. And I think some teams are going to be very happy to look past whatever injury he had and just be like, this is a guy we need on our roster. So we'll see what happens. In my mind, I'm also, I'm also wondering if Vegas, deep down, I, I don't know if this is how hockey works, but they're like, okay, he played on a broken foot for us. So we should probably, um, like, in exchange, give him the full value of a contract that we would have offered if he was playing on a healthy foot. Like, we shouldn't let that change our perception of him at least one team i think owes him a favor in return for the favor he did them which by the way um like we always talk about how great and impressive it is i i know this is maybe like a tired narrative or dialogue at this point but i just i would rather nhl players didn't play with broken like limbs and appendages it just doesn't seem smart yeah you do have to wonder at some point we've had this discussion on our discord, right? Like was Alec Martinez better with a broken foot than whoever was like being healthy scratched, like the next best defenseman who would have been more effective. Like, but Martinez like, you know, played decently well. Like you said, he scored a couple goals, but I guess we'll never know. All right. So we're halfway through this draft. Now we've got a couple, like a defenseman each Petrie just got taken uh, and four forwards. So both of you need to take another defenseman another three forwards and then team goalies. I wonder if we're going to be waiting on team goalies or Nick, have you decided now's the time to pounce and grab the team goalie first? Um, So I'm looking at what's out there and this player is still sticking out. So it's a skater and uh, it's Andre Pallott. I'm going to take Andre Pallott. I feel he's playing with two exceptional players. He's streaky um so hopefully that streak continues i guess as a hab fan i don't know but for this yes <laughs> uh yeah so andre Pilat. 
Okay. Three points in his last four games. So he started to heat up, which you'd expect. Like he's playing with Kucherov. So he had a quiet start because he was bumped off the top power play. But yeah, like Kucherov is doing, like I said, those sweet feeds most of the time to Braden Point. But I guess every once in a while, Andre Palat is able to at least get an assist. You know, maybe Palat gives it to Kucherov, who gives it to Point, and that finishes the goal. So yeah, can't argue with uh, second half of the draft, first line player like Palat at this point. Yeah, even though he's only been a half point per game player, nine points in 18 through the playoffs. And that was with a pretty decent performance in the last round against the Islanders. Uh, Yeah, exactly what you said, Elon. There's really, there's no, you don't want to get too creative here and just say, yeah, he's still in a great, he has a lot of opportunity to continue putting up points. So uh, I like that pick. And that brings us to Elon, what round are we in now? We're in round six. We're halfway through. And yeah, now it is. Could you do a quick team recap? Sure. Okay. Well, so Nick just picked Andre Palat. So that gives him from Tampa. He's got Point and Palat and Hedman. And he's also got Suzuki, Caulfield, and Corey Perry. And then Colton is rocking Stamkos, Kucherov, Killorn. And then from the Habs, Petrie and Toffoli. And now we'll see who the sixth player to join Colton's team is going to be. And it's going to be uh, another Tampa Bay top six uh, skater who's also on the second power play. Um, I was actually going to take Palat, full disclosure, so good pair. Uh, But I'm going to take Anthony Sorelli, who's in a similar situation to Palat. And I just need that he ends up uh, getting a few more bounces. Palat does this round. So I'll put that pick in there. You guys can do your breakdown. Exactly the same to me as Pilat. I'd have these guys on exactly even footing, pretty much any way you slice it. If you're looking at ice time, uh, total points, Sorelli just has one more than Pilat over the 18 playoff games Tampa has played. Uh, the types of, not that we count shots or anything, but just the, the type of player they are and the type of exposure they get and the type of opportunity they have and what they've done to cash in on it. They seem very very similar as being these secondary producers who they could step up and have a huge series, but neither one has yet, even though that's something everybody always hopes for from Sorelli. And Hey, like Anthony Sorelli has gotten hot at the right time. So maybe he just keeps it going, right? He has points in three of the last games, like four points in those three games. Uh, He got an assist on the, you know, game winner in game seven. So all of a sudden, uh, you know, Anthony Sorelli's getting hot at the right time. Yeah, before that, he went pointless for five games. But now you're going to the finals against the Habs. And like you said, you got to finish off that Tampa top six. Might as well. Montreal, do they even have a top six? I feel like the way this draft is going, you would think that the Corey Perry line is like the second line. Like Brian said, it's, it's, it's line four. So we've knocked off the Habs top line, the Tampa top six, and then a couple stragglers on the halves. So now it'll be interesting to see if Nick is going to go and start picking off some players from some of those other lines on the halves. Does he go D still that team goalie out there? Only uh, four picks to go now. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Josh Anderson. Um, I have no logic. I am just having fun here on this one. That's Uh going to be my pick uh, is Josh Anderson. Yep. What happened to Josh Anderson? Like why? Like he was so good at the start of the season when he when he joined the team. He was, was on fi- it was not sustainable. I think that's that's the short answer. It wasn't as like he was shooting more also. Like no, usually not sustainable just means like, you know, he was like getting a high shooting percentage. Like it seems like 
He, he started the year with a with a seven shot game, so I think that caught everyone's attention. Yeah, he had uh, he was averaging over three shots per game, seven goals on thirty six shots in his first eleven games. And everybody who drafted him, you know, like, oh yeah, Montreal's the perfect landing spot for him. Was feeling really good about it. Actually, he he continued uh, having some huge shots. He like he, over almost his first twenty games, he was averaging uh, almost three shots per game. But then, yeah, things just went mostly quiet and occasionally he'd have a three shot game or even a six shot game towards the end he was shooting more too but nothing was coming of it so I guess um I guess that's when we I'm I'm actually just going to calculate his shooting percentage just to see if he really was snake bitten or um yeah he was shooting 10 percent over the last 36 games of the season when he had just eight goals so it's like a 20 goal scorer pace which I think is what you would expect rather than the pace he was on before that in the opening bar of the season when like seven goals in 11 games is obviously going to be a ridiculous pace that he couldn't keep up. So I think he's a good player. I think he's serviceable, but I don't think he's about to take this crazy star turn that, uh, that some were convinced he was about to in his first few weeks as a Montreal Canadian. Yeah. Now in the playoffs, like he had that one, two goal game. Uh, in the three-two win, like including the winning goal over Vegas. But aside from that, he has only like two other points in the whole playoffs. <laughs> He's pointed in three of seventeen playoff games. Yeah, like uh, let's go, Josh Anderson. I've got him in my dynasty league, and look, at least when he's not getting points, the one thing you could definitely depend on him for is hits, right? He has an insane Huge number numbers. of hits, and like we saw with Suzuki, like maybe it's a bit inflated for this round, like Nick was suggesting. Uh, like Josh Anderson, though, like gets power play time. I don't know. He's playing with Cockney Like, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe there's seem- still more offense that could come. It seems like he should be lucking into more than he's getting. And it's hard, but still like, again, just as a surface look and we can dig deeper towards the next season, but it still looks like he's getting about what he deserves in terms of goal scoring. I wonder if his, uh, like, I'll take a minute and check his IPP and see if while he's on the ice, things aren't going as well. But we were talking about his shots Elon and over his last 12 playoff games, he's only had more than two shots one time. So when we were talking about that being like his only saving grace for Josh Anderson, um, it's uh, it hasn't even been in these playoffs. And for reference, his IPP uh, is 40 percent, which is low for a forward. This is at all strengths. So that's one reason why his point production might not be all the way up. But honestly, everything else Looks pretty reasonable. So I think if we're using this to look at next season, instead of, I, I think going into this past season, it was Josh Anderson is probably at least a 45, 50 point guy. And he could blow the doors off that with a really great season if he's healthy. Cause remember at the end of his time in Columbus, no one was sure. And uh, for next season, I think it's like, okay, well maybe he's a 45, 50 point guy, but there's a good chance he actually falls short uh, substantially of that expectation. Yeah, I don't know. But hey, he's still picking this draft. He's still uh, ahead in this draft than another Habs player who, again, (laughs) like last round, we thought was going to go a lot earlier. So we'll see if that guy even gets taken. Uh, Okay, Colton, you are talking about Brendan Gallagher. Yeah, okay. I guess, yeah, we got two sharks here. I think it's just wild. Like how, like Anderson's fallen. Gallagher's still not picked. Crazy. Okay. All right. Well, Colton, are you going to change that or are you going to go in a different direction? No, I, I'm actually um, I'm going to take the Tampa goalies. It's time to do that. Um, and I think last time in the draft last round, um, I took 
goalies because I didn't want to end up with the Habs goalies. <laughs> and it turns out that would have been perfectly fine to end up with the Habs goalies. They would have got uh, one more win than my Islanders goalies got. Um, so I hope I don't uh, regret this one again the last time, but it didn't cost me too badly because I did manage to make the finals um, with the Islanders goals. Uh, but there we go. I just put the pick in to goalies. Um, I mean, Vasilevsky seems to be good for a shutout round, so hopefully I'll be able to get a two-point win out of him uh, as opposed to just getting a bunch of one-point wins. Um, and we'll see. I, I think it could end up being somewhat low-scoring with those two goalies capable of, of putting up monster performances at any point in time. I mean, like Vasilevsky, again, in the last round, you said one shutout per round. Last round, he gave you a couple, right? So you got uh, anyone who had Vasilevsky last round had six points in the seven games, the four wins, and then the two shutouts. He just continues to prove that he's probably the best goalie in the world, though. I guess Carey Price might have something else, something to say about that. So it's, it's going to be really fun, right? Like, it's not always the case that the finals have, like, the two teams with the two, like, best goalies in the playoffs. But I think, I don't know if you could say that this is controversial. I think, like, arguably, at least, these have been the two best goalies so far. So, like, obviously, there's also a lot of cool offensive players that we've discussed. So, I, I'm really excited to watch it. Toronto, by the way, Brian's opening up. We've got patios. I had trouble finding a patio that had a TV, but I've got a couple hot tips of patios in Toronto <laughs> that have TVs. So next week, I think tomorrow, I'm going to be going out to watch the Habs game. And I'm very curious to see if Colton's going to be getting one of his uh, shutouts from Vasilevsky in this game one, or if that uh, hot line of Toffoli, Suzuki, and Kofit's going to have something to say about that. I think... Honestly, either goalie might be a decent bet for a shutout, but Vasilevsky has shown because it's going to be some some low low calorie hockey, low low scoring hockey. But Vasilevsky and the all of the Lightning proved in the last round against the Islanders that hey, we can we can play a, a low event shutdown game too. This is not just uh, we are not just a team that's going to blow away uh, anyone else. We can play that tight checking game and still come out on top, including, like you already mentioned, Elon, register two shutouts and only twice did Vasilevsky and the Lightning give up more than two goals against. And one of those was in overtime. It was a short overtime, but it was still in overtime. Uh, and even going back to the series against Carolina, uh, three games with one or no goals against in that five game series for Vasilevsky and the Lightning. So I uh, am a big fan of this pick. If, if I had to, pick the more likely team uh the the team that's likely to have the most goalie points considering that shutouts count for that extra bonus point on top of the point for the win i would place my bet on tampa do do you agree i guess so yeah that was hard to bet against the has i think i would probably pull the strategy that nick has and just you know, now he's got it locked in his last pick. He'll have the Habs goalies, who knows, and then maybe get better options further on. Not that there's so many like super exciting options at this point. Uh, so, actually, hey, yeah, I think this is not a bad spot for Colton to go goalies because you're looking at the value over replacement, right? And that one is pretty fu- definite. You know exactly who the opposite <laughs> player is going to be in that equation. And I think, you know, that versus the difference, the difference between the Tampa and Montreal goalies. I think that's uh, got a good chance of being bigger than the difference between, say, Sorelli and Palat. So I've got a question for you and for Colton and Nick here, just speaking about Vasilevsky before we move on. So we've been doing on our Discord channel, right, our our patron rankings. Like every single day, we're ranking a new player to come up with rank, just like fantasy rankings for our specific Keeping Carlson Alton Patron Fantasy League scoring. And no goalie got ranked until just recently, just yesterday, Andre Vasilevsky finally got on the board at 18th overall. So this is just every day. 
all the patrons get a vote. Whoever has the most votes, that's the player that gets ranked that day. So uh, maybe Brian first, and then the, and then uh, Nick and Colton. Like, do you think Vasilevsky? Like, is that a fair ranking in fantasy to like wait that long for him? Or do you think that because, you know, the thing with goalies, I guess that we've always discussed is they're kind of unpredictable. Who knows, like if you're going to get burned by your goalie. Plus, there's so many options out there generally at this point, though. I don't know. It just seems like the NHL is going in this direction where uh, there's so many tandems. And yet Vasilevsky just you know, plays a ton of games. He's so reliable. His team is so good. There, there might be two times Stanley Cup champions going into next year. What did you think of the 18th overall uh, Vasilevsky ranking? Yeah, I don't think it's that far off. Because, yeah, reaching for a goalie is always risky because goalies seem to be the the least likely to repeat any success or failure from the season before. But I will also add that Vasilevsky is seeming to certainly be in a class of his own, both in the quality of play and the workload he has. I think the only other goalie who can make a similar case for actually being really freaking good and for getting far too many of his team starts would be Connor Hellebuck over in Winnipeg. And I think those two guys tower over the rest and Hellebuck has shown himself to be like, have on seasons and off seasons and on seasons. Vasilevsky has been on for uh, long enough now to feel like, yeah, I think as much as you can bet on any goalie, I think that's how much you can bet on Vasilevsky right now. So it still doesn't mean I'd be comfortable necessarily taking him in the first round because there's always some pretty good value uh, or at least we thought there didn't turn out to be much. I, I thought last year I could fade goalies and come out. Okay. I didn't, uh, I still think I could have, and that that's might be a strategy. I try again, but uh, that's why I wouldn't jump too early on Vasilevsky in my own draft, but I definitely see a case for him being a first round player. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely on the fence just because like in this draft, like yeah, Vasilevsky did so well this past season, but also I got UC Saros and Jack Campbell out of free agency midway through the season and they were amazing for me in the couple and I got them for free. I didn't even need to draft them. So then did I really need to like waste a high pick? Cause again, for Vasilevsky to go 18, if you're saying he should have been higher, that means you're bumping a Hubert Doe, Crosby, Zibanejad, Marner, Kachuk. I'm just reading up the list uh, for Vas. So uh, Nick, I guess it's your pick first. Where do you weigh in? Do you think we were uh, too high, too low, or just right on the Vasilevsky? 18th overall ranking i think it's fair i mean it, it depends on the league settings right of course like it, it like ba- based off of the couple i think it's i think it's very very fair um i mean it to me it's about the scarcity if it, goalies are really hard to come by in a league you have to play like three of them then yeah you gotta i think you gotta jump on on the goalie like that to me i i'd like to wait because they're just frustrating and random as good as he is um that's always been me and just I just follow the goalie trends like like a hawk right during the regular season and just like you said Elon just picking up some of those guys you know stashing them on IR like Soros or something like that he comes back and he's on fire right and you just kind of you know you you kind of shoot the moon on that right so um I like to wait on them but I think it's a fair you know kind of assessment based on those settings from the cupful I think that's fair yeah, well, so speaking of you liking to wait on goalies, I guess that was also your strategy in this draft. You've got your last pick of the draft now locked in. You'll have Habs goalies, which means you basically have two picks left, even though you have three spots. D and and skater. I assume you're going to take a forward with that skater spot. So are you going a forward or defense with this next pick? Uh, I'm going to go with D. I'm going to get my second D, and it's going to be Shea Weber. Yeah, Weber, okay. yeah. I was going to bring him up when Petrie was taken, just like 
Weber, like his star has fallen. I speak, like, you know, we're talking about Gallagher and joking around about how he's fallen so far. Like Weber used to be this like really reliable, like at yeah. least 45, 50 point D man. And this season, like, wasn't terrible like in the regular season i guess uh, 19, was, yeah it was pretty he was pretty close to terrible I, <laughs> yeah. I i actually would say he was terrible in the regular season we pointed this out maybe at about the one third mark uh, of the fantasy season that shea weber just didn't look himself and wasn't doing the basic things that have made him a valuable fantasy asset let alone the rest that he's supposed to be doing above what should have been a solid floor, uh, like that scoring just wasn't coming. And actually what you were talking about with the Habs, now that they might be able to load up on a top unit, to me, I also feel like that would be a reason for Jeff Petrie to be in an even better position next year. If they don't split. Like I didn't even consider, I'm not considering right now that Shea Weber is capable of quarterbacking a top power play just based on the nothing that we've seen from him for so long, including in these playoffs. He did have a timely goal in this last series, which was great for him. But outside of that, he's been almost invisible in every way. Yeah, I guess like as far as the Petrie thing, you know, just the fact that like Eric Gustafson, you know, they got him at the trade deadline. He's getting a decent amount of power play time. So it might be a situation where the you know job isn't locked in for Petrie. The, to play with like Caulfield and Suzuki and Toffoli on the top power play. Uh, but, you know, you, th- you think you'd have a chance. Obviously, we'll see what happens in UFA. They have Romanov. I don't know if eventually he potentially gets that job, but okay. So uh, Colton, you're up. Uh, similar situation as Nick was in. You need a forward. You need a D. We need a couple forwards, actually, and a D. Uh, maybe before you make your pick, is the fact that you took, uh, you know, the Tampa goalies over in round seven there, is that indicative of how you play fantasy in the regular seasons as well? Do you usually jump on goalies a little bit earlier if you have the chance? Uh, I t- try not to take goalies too early, but um, I would echo your guys' thought on Vasilevsky maybe being the exception to that. Like if you were to pick a guy to rank much higher than than the other skaters, it would be him. Just they're, they're such a good team that he does play. He usually wins. So even if he happens to have an off night, he's going to get you a win and he starts the vast majority of games. Um, and that's there's far between, like you were saying, of guys available that are uh, as as him on a team as good as his that start that many games. So I, I think he might be the one exception that I'd consider taking. But um, in this case, I just I wanted to make sure that I got the goalies just because they were my pick to win this series. So I figured if the only alternative to that is that I think is going to lose the series, I'd, I'd rather make sure I got the goalies that would hopefully get points. I'm predicting they're going to get. Uh, and then I guess as far as pick for this round, um, since I've got those goalies already, uh, I'm actually going to go with, uh, I'm going to take Brendan Gallagher. Um, I know he's only got five points so far, but I, I feel like he's capable of, of much more than that. And I would expect that he will you know, a pace that like he's, he's more than, you know, what is, whatever that equates to a, a quarter of a point per game or whatever that is. Um, and the way he plays the game, he could very easily have some pucks bouncing off a leg or some uh, driving the net, getting some rebounds. So I feel like he's, he's better than his stats to date have shown so far playoffs. Yeah. It's hard to disagree with that. And hey, if you look at the game log, like he's still, you know, taking some shots. Like in that game six, he had four shots. In game four, he had five shots. So yeah, all of a sudden, if he gets a couple lucky bounces, all of a sudden we're talking about him coming off like a really strong round instead of only the one point in the sixth game. So I feel 
seems, I don't know. I thought last draft he was a steal late and then he turned out not to be, but again, it does seem like should be a steal. Like I, I used to think of Gallagher as like a 55, 60 point player, you know, potentially upside for more if he ever got better deployment. Obviously we haven't been seeing it lately. No, we haven't been for Brendan Gallagher. And it's a, it's a bit of a shame, but if I'm looking at his rate stats at all strengths and just trying to see, okay, is he doing the things that we still want him to be doing? It's like, yeah, he's still taking, uh, putting a lot of shots on net in all situations, which I'm happy to see. Uh, his, his IPP is actually 100%, believe it or not, which means that if we look at his on-ice shooting percentage, it's below 4% which is uh, insanely low. It should be at least twice that, if not more. So his line has just not been able to generate a whole lot of goals, even though um, they look like they're doing okay if you're going by expected goals and shot attempts. Of course, there weren't many goals to be had at all in the last series. That really accentuates the struggles of Gallagher and the guys he's playing with. But I also think that he's not a bad flyer to be taking at this point. They're definitely, I I know on the last draft, it was like, I can't believe this guy went before him and this guy went before him. I still feel like maybe he could have gone a couple forward sooner, but I blame nobody for waiting this long to take him with the uh, giant egg he's been laying all through the playoffs, which again, is just credit to the Montreal Canadiens for making this work. I mean, yes, they've had Suzuki and Caulfield emerge, so they don't need their former star scorer, Brendan Gallagher, to step up in the way he has, but it I imagine it would make their lives easier if he did. Okay, so with that, Nick, it's basically your last pick. We know you're going Habs goalies in the final round, so you just got a skater to go. Some fun options out there, middle six guys on Montreal or, you know, third liners on Tampa. Curious to see what, who you take. Uh, maybe at the end, I question who I would have taken here. Not that it matters. Um, I'm trying to get his uh, name on here, but it's not coming up, but I will. I'm doing it on kind of like my phone here, but I will. <laughs> I could it. do the pick for you even. If oh, you I, got, I got it. Yeah, it came up here. Now, this is something that I, it is a, an against the grain move here just because of who's left. Um. I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to go with Sergachev. I'm going to go with 3D. Interesting. It's not, it's not uh, again against the grain, but you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to try. I'm going to go with that one right there. I just, yeah, I'm looking at the top scoring. You're going to have to scroll. You're going to have to scroll pretty far to find Sergachev. <laughs> he has two points in 18 games in these playoffs. Yeah, there are 43 defensemen, many of whom haven't played more than, you know, six to eight games uh, who have scored more points than Mikhail Sergachev in these playoffs, which we wouldn't have expected. But here we are. Of the guys that are remaining, though, I mean, Elon, you mentioned Eric Cernak off the top. Maybe he's more appealing, but with Weber and Peter, and I mentioned Joel Edmondson, who had half a point per game in the last series. So I guess with all defensemen off the board, I'm actually, I'll just ask you, Elon, would you have preferred Eric Cernak, Joel Edmondson, or Eric Gustafsson, or, or somebody else? Well, I mean, so Nick doesn't need to take a D, right? Like he's taking a third defenseman. So I would have probably taken a forward at this point. Uh, but uh, hey, Sergachev has had good runs. Like he's supposed to be an offensive player. By the way, is that a fun storyline we're going to follow? I just thought of it now. Sergachev was a prospect for the Habs, and they traded him away to Tampa. So it'd be kind of a fun story for Sergachev if he could show his team that they made a big mistake. Um, 
uh, I guess Jonathan Drouin's not even in this series, though we, it's for personal reasons. So I guess that would have been fun if he was there as well. Uh, I don't know, Brian. Like uh, maybe as far as the defenseman left, who would you take? Maybe you just stick with Cernak since he's been getting some points or go with Gustafsson since he's been getting some power play time. But Sergachev is the guy that I would take highest of all these remaining defensemen in, in fantasy next year. So yeah. I guess it should count for the playoffs. All right, I'm very interested to see how this will play out for Nick. Uh, so that means that Colton, you've got, uh, well, actually, maybe this was defense against Colton, who still does need a D. So maybe actually I shouldn't have spoken. It was obviously Colton probably has his plan. Are you disappointed that Sergachev is off the board? Like, did you think he was going to be your locked in uh, final D once, you know, Nick had already taken his two? I'm not sure that I would have taken him just just because he's only got two so far, but he is also a defenseman who gets power play deployment. So mm-hmm. I can't really argue with the pick. It, it, like if it would have been one of the two or three guys I'd be selecting between for my final D for sure. So, um, so yeah, so now at this point you don't even need to take a D. Well, you could do whatever you want now. Basically, you could even just take your two picks, right? You've got two picks left. Nick's gonna take Habs goalies. So if you want, you can just announce both of your picks now to finish off the draft. And let me read your team overall. You've got Kucherov, Stamkos, Killorn, Toffoli, Sorelli, Gallagher, Petrie, and the Tampa goalies. Now you're going to throw us a forward and a defenseman. But I mean, take your time. (laughs) If you want to have the time to think about it while we chat about the Habs goalies, feel free. Yeah. um, So I'll I'll, I'll just start by making the one um, because I do. I'm kind of flip-flopping between two guys that I might choose as my defenseman. Um, so for now, I'm going to lock Yanni Gord as my final forward, um, who's another Tampa player who gets power play deployment, trying to get as many of those as I can. Um, and, you know, he he's he's effective. He'd go on scoring runs. He's only getting third minutes. But again, the power play time is going to be huge, I hope. Um, so, you know, can't can't really complain with a guy as good as Yanni Gord at, at this stage draft. I agree. I like Gord as well as a Palat or a Sorelli, to be honest. Even though he doesn't get the same exposure, he's actually on the ice more often than either of them. Uh, And while they might always not be in the most offensive of roles or situations, he's shown that he can uh, can get hot. He can pick up some dirty goals. He's the kind of player who uh, gives you that depth scoring that you might end up needing to rely on as your top lines are going toe-to-toe and getting skunked so to speak, by the other team shutdown lines. So guys like Gord, and I'll just mention them, like Coleman and Goudreau, even Tyler Johnson, uh, you know, they've all been pretty quiet. Gord has been the loudest of them all, uh, but these are the, the sorts of guys that do sort of come out of the weeds, uh, along with Sorelli and Palat. But Sorelli and Palat are in positions to succeed already. So uh, I'll be really interested to see what Gord can do. I like this pick a lot. I, he'd be someone I'd be hoping to get late in the draft if I were one of the two people drafting. Yeah, I think Gourd is like a classic guy in fantasy in general who you're not going to expect like a lot of offense from like overall on the season, but he does go on those little runs where he runs hot for a bit. So you just need a couple good games from him, like, you know, a couple good bounces and all of a sudden he becomes a really good pick at this point, which means, uh, well, I guess actually, oh no. So we know that uh, Colton's going to take a defenseman with his last pick, which means that we're done for forwards, which means that Eric Stahl goes unpicked. I would have thought maybe Nick would take Eric Stahl to sort of like pair him up with his Corey Perry and just kind of like, I don't know if that was something that was you were considering or a Cockney Emmy, Paul Byron we brought up. So yeah, I guess there's some Habs left that you could have taken. Um, overall though, at this point, you've grabbed your team goalies. So let me read your team over and then you can tell us what you think. Uh, you've got point. I guess let's go in order of how you did this. So Hedman, 
Point, Suzuki, Caulfield, Corey Perry, Andre Palat, Josh Anderson, Shea Weber, Mikhail Sergachev, and then Montreal team goalies. Is it, Nick, are you happy with how this turned out? Were you hoping for something different going into the draft? Or is this like exactly what you were hoping you would land with pretty much? I think overall, this is, I mean, I know that the beginning was going to probably be as we all kind of thought it was. And then things always get a little dicey towards the end because you don't know what's going to happen because we value, you know, players a lot differently toward the end, I think. Um, I'm happy. I mean, again, we'll see what happens, right? It's it's one this one team versus other team and, you know, one team's favored. And, you know, as a Habs fan, I want to see the Canadians, obviously. But you know what? I, I do like the team I have. And, I mean, it's all good. It's fun. It's fun, too. That's great. Well, so good luck to you. We'll see. You had the first pick in this draft because you dominated in the last round. Did you find that to be an advantage or do you think in the end it didn't really matter? I guess that got you Hedman to start things off. It was, it was the thought of the defenseman to get, to get Hedman, like just to, to seal that, at least give me some breathing room down the line. Um, yeah, that was really it. That was, that was the only reason. If there was a few other good defensemen, like that level, like, you know, fantasy wise, then probably it would have been Cooch. Probably no doubt. So, well, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild when you don't have first pick and you still get Kucherov and Stamkos like uh, Colton did. Obviously, it's a two-person draft. So that's what happened. So Colton, uh, I guess let's hear who your last pick is. You're going to be taking a defenseman. And then, yeah, let us know what you think of your team. Yeah, so the final pick, um, I'm going to go with Ryan McDonough. Locking that in right now. Um, so now I've got I've got one of each for the for the defenseman. I've got Jeff Petrie as my other one. So that's uh, I've got both teams covered. Um, unfortunately, McDonough doesn't usually get power deployment, but um, neither do any of the other defensemen that are left on the board. So um, I took the best of what was left, um, and I I think I'm pretty happy with how the draft went. Actually, um, we both have you know there's only two teams to choose from and two people drafting. So um, the options at times were pretty obvious, and it, it's looking like um, if Tampa Bay does well, I like my chances. But if Montreal uh, manages to do what they've done to anybody else, then I'm I'm probably losing. So um, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, and Nick, good luck to you, and best of luck to your Habs. That's that's exciting that you also get to watch your team finals. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll see how everything plays out here. Yeah, thanks, Colton. Good luck to you. This was a, definitely a fun draft. Uh... Yeah, a lot of a lot of your picks. It was like, okay, I'd like to get that next player, and you got it right away. So I, you know, expected it, and uh, yeah, good luck to you. Very yeah, too. Thanks. A lovely uh, pre-post handshake for for the draft. That's a that was that was beautiful. But I, and I'm just going to go back to it. Ryan McDonough, uh, not a not a bad pick, but I will point out. You said the best of what's left. Uh, we did mention Joel Edmondson and Eric Sternak's name a couple of times, who are the only remaining defensemen who have more points than McDonough. But I, I don't feel like that's a, like that's supposed to predict <laughs> the points that will come in the finals. It's just the way it's played out so far. If it were me picking between those three, I think I'd also go for McDonough, who's you know still playing a pretty big role on a cup contender. But one of, I think, the more unheralded veteran defensemen, like all those years, for the Rangers, uh, pretty much playing, uh, doing his job and at least the job of three other people on that New York blue line. And now doing what he's doing at Tampa still at this point in his career is pretty impressive. And for what it's worth, 
Ryan McDonough said that last game from Mikhail Sergachev was the best he's ever seen him play. So an interesting connection between the last two defensemen picked aside from the fact they play for the same team. Yeah, I wonder if he means it or if it's some like <laughs> dig about like how badly he thinks he was playing before. <laughs> like, oh, or... I thought you were going to say whether he means it or he's just trying to build up this guy who's clearly needs a needs a little shot in right. the arm. That's the best I've ever seen. Like Sergeyev's like, hey, I've had like multi-point games before. <laughs> like, have, have you even watched my career? You know what's wild? The Habs like uh, fourth leading scorer, Thomas Tatar. No one even talks about him. He's been like injured for a while. And I guess he's being healthy scratched even before that. He's a UFA. <laughs> he's like, I wonder what kind of contract this guy's getting uh, after, uh, you know, this like injury that keeps lingering and then getting scratched. He's almost like the Mike Hoffman of next year, right? Where it seems like he should be getting more use than he is. And we have no, like, I'm not at all convinced that whatever team signs him is going to maximize his use. But if they do, he could have some huge value or he could just be a really frustrating guy to have on your roster. So I'll be curious to see where he lands and if it'll be with a team that appreciates what he has to offer or not. Remember his days in Detroit? Feels like forever ago. I remember his days in Montreal where he was awesome. He had <laughs> yeah. 70 points a couple of years ago. Uh, by the way, when you say he's going to be like this year's Mike Hoffman, we're also going to have Mike Hoffman will also be this year's Mike Hoffman because yeah. he's UFA once again. And we <laughs> the same story. Now, I don't know if he's done enough to earn himself a multi-year contract. I wonder who's going to make more. Probably still Hoffman will get more than Tatar. He still got some points when he was given the opportunity. Okay, man, we can just keep talking. But uh, I thought I told my wife this was going to be like a one hour show. It'll be quick. It's just a two person draft. Of course. It's not the way we roll here at Keeping Carlson. So everyone who listened all the way through, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you've been enjoying our summer series with these drafts. Uh, also the interviews. Hey guys, I got some scoops for you. Okay. So Nick and Colton, you're going to know, well, I guess and whoever's here in the chat room. Well, I haven't been watching the chat room. Hey, Sammy. Okay. So uh, here's the scoop of what's coming up soon uh, with the beat writer interviews. I don't know if you guys have been listening, but uh, I've got coming up this week, Harmon Dial and I are going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks. And then I've got Jesse Marshall, books to talk about the pittsburgh penguins so wow let me know if you have any questions if you're listening to this and you're in our discord or i guess you could even if you're not a patron tweet at us let me know if you have any specific questions you want me to ask about the canucks and the penguins i'm really excited to dig into these teams and see the penguins especially in terms of just like what are they going to do are they just going to keep this core going again is it finally time to blow things up it'll be fun to talk i i talked to both of them last year they were both great this series so far has been amazing. And if that's a reliable predictor of what's to come, then the next interviews are going to be amazing as well. If you're not listening with literally uh, like a pencil and pad or a pen, or I guess like your notes app, if you really, if you're like Elon and you don't actually own a pen, that you're, you're missing out. You need to not just be listening, but taking copious notes uh, because there is tons, tons, tons of good stuff in each of these interviews that's going to guide you towards fantasy success. Right. Like, I think I've cleared this myth. Like, I, I do own a pen. I have to write rent checks every month <laughs> to my landlord. I have a pen. One time my dad got me a pen for my birthday. I thought it was like the worst present I ever got. Uh, but, you know, anytime I need to write rent checks, it's fun to take out my nice pen and write, write my checks. He's basically paying your rent with that, <laughs> with that gift. Of. All right. So, so much. Thanks so much again to Nick and Colton. And, and also, like, congrats on making it this far. It's going to be tough for one of you to walk away with nothing, but at least you're going to have a fun finals. And it must have been a fun ride. I can't even imagine what it's like just keep winning and winning and winning every single round like you guys have been doing. 
Can I ask before you guys go, do you know what jersey you're going to choose from coolhockey.com? If you if you do win, have you has have either of you settled on one? Nick, I, I guess I'll ask you first. Maybe you should say be like, no. Maybe it should curious. be like who your leading scorer of this draft. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> so I'm Nick, gonna get yeah. I'm gonna go get myself a, a, a Eric board. <laughs> yeah, Eric Sir Nick wasn't picked. A Ryan McDonough Tampa jersey. <laughs> Okay, I got two head shakes, right? No, no, no one's... I haven't at all. I haven't even thought of it. To me, too superstitious. You don't want to get ahead of yourself. That's right. Okay. okay. Let us know if either of you are up for us putting out like a Twitter poll or something where like the listeners can decide what jersey you get. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> like it has to be an NHL player. Okay. So, you know, nothing like a swear word. On well, the back. That, that narrows it down. Would cool hockey make a jersey with a swear word if you asked them to? I, I don't know. We'll ask them. So we'll, we've got some things to, to figure out, and then we'll be back with another episode to answer all your burning questions about the Canucks and the Penguins and if Cool Hockey puts swear words on Jersey. So once again, thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you like the show. Uh, tweeted us at Keeping Carlson. Let us know if you're with us. I know in the summer, people aren't really thinking as much about fantasy hockey. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're like definitely one of our favorite listeners because we really appreciate you and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're having fun with the patrons. Uh, obviously, Nick and Colton, big part of that. But yeah, come hang out in our Discord channel if you're up for it. Uh, just a buck a month for our summer promotion over on Patreon. So keepingcarlson.com slash patron gets you into our Discord community. You get our patron cast. We had a really fun patron cast last week. Brian, I had like a really fun time. Like just even like just chatting with you, like getting, uh, you know, catching up after not talking for a while. It was so nice. Afterwards, I was like coming out of the bedroom, just like, I, was so, I had such a nice time there. We had a lot, a lot of fun last night. So you can check that out. Lots of stuff. So again, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. I don't know if that's a promo, just saying I had a nice time talking to Brian. But <laughs> if you're interested in that, that's what happened. We also talked some hockey. So, okay, let's cue the outro music. Brian, why don't you go ahead and read us the credits and let's get out of here. All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons, Logo art from brandonweave.com and music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Frozen Tools, NHL.com, believe it or not, Hockey Reference. Uh, what else did I use? Fan Tracks. Oh, I really should have written this down. I said Hockey Reference already. Oh, Natural Stat Trick and Evolving Wild. I think that's the, the full slate. Isn't there an Evolving Hockey? Oh, yeah. Sorry. It, it's Evolving Hockey. Evolving-Hockey.com. What's Evolving Wild? Is the, the Twitter handle. Oh, okay. Well, so that you're, you're promoting them in, in both of the ways. So, once again, thanks and good luck to Nick and Colton. Great job, Brian. And everyone, I'll be talking to you soon when you hear me drop an episode about the Vancouver Canucks. That one should be coming uh, midweek, probably Thursday. Until then, uh, yeah. <laughs> Until then? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, just uh, keep doing what you're doing, especially if what you're doing is making sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone. Oh, yeah. And also, uh, if you're interested in following the results of this draft, keepingcarlson.com slash KKPP will take you there. We'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, you can also tweet at us. Are you hashtag Team Nick or hashtag Team Colton? But you already said your catchphrase. Now this is awkward. So bye.